Welcome to episode nine of Shifty Perspective. In this episode, we speak to Dr. Valerio De Nicola, who is a pioneer in regenerative surgery and works with stem cell treatments. If you are interested in longevity, life extension, and general health, then this episode would definitely be for you. Hello, Val. How are you doing? I am fine. Thank you, Ash. And uh, good uh, afternoon to everybody that are connected. Good afternoon to you and good afternoon to everybody else. Yeah. So where about to you at the moment? You're in the UK, I believe. Yeah, uh, I live and work in UK. So, uh, yes, to say something about uh, me, um, I am a consultant surgeon in... Um, working in the NHS, yep. um, West Sussex Hospitals, Foundation Trust. And I work there as a general and uh, lower GI surgeon. Uh, we can say this is my surgical, um, traditional part of my job. But uh, alongside that, because uh, Everything started uh, my research when uh, uh, I, ha- I, I, I studied uh, during my PhD and post-PhD uh, that was in microsurgery and regenerative medicine. Okay. Um, so this was uh, more or less across the millennium and uh, um, it was extremely interesting uh, because uh, uh, many things uh, were going uh, out at the moment, mostly in the regenerative surgery uh, and medicine, sorry, in terms of uh, tissue regeneration, uh, stels, stem cells, uh, 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 usage in experimental models, uh, and the tissue engineering, uh, growth factors, mediators, and so on. And uh, this brought to me to different kind of uh, experimental and clinical experiences, uh, mostly applied in some kind of sector of surgery. Okay. And in particular in uh, uh, joint regeneration and uh, uh, hernia repair. Um, uh, okay. Of course, uh, uh, yeah, Ash, uh, the last thing then I, I leave it words. When we talk about regenerative surgery, uh, it means simply that sector of uh, uh, regenerative medicine, medicine that uh, applies, that can be applied with surgical procedure. Okay, that was literally going to be my, my next question was asking about what yeah. exactly is regenerative surgery. Um, for the uh, research with, with stem cells, is that something that is currently available that you are involved with in the UK? Um, is there, are there a lot of treatments uh, with stem cells as an option right now? Well, uh, my uh, yes, there are options, but still there are uh, not, uh, I can say, NHS validated options. Okay. And um, uh, this is not only a problem in UK, it's a problem everywhere in Europe, in the United States. Uh, and it generates a lot of side effects. How na- however, my in particular, my uh, field of ex- expertise is the stimulation and activation of residential stem cells. So that is that mean- taking already? That, uh, well, that, that means a very, it's very simple. Any, any tissue in particular, soft tissue, mesenchymal tissue, connective tissues, as a cluster of mesenchymal stem cells, that work in a certain manner in that tissue. And um, 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 my research was simply to stimulate the residential stem cells of tissue to generate tissue repair without uh, transplantation of cells from a tissue to another. So what kind of level of injury would, you be, would, would this be applicable to at the moment? Well, consider, for example, uh, degenerative osteoarthritis is the most common uh, um, cause, single cause of disabilities in our days. Yep. And um, 
Degenerative osteoarthritis uh, in, uh, in reality uh, for uh, many years uh, is a reversible disease. Really? Uh, yeah, it's a reversible disease because uh, it's a very long process. Um, and uh, generally, it takes uh, years to develop. So what happens with it? How does it work? For it's, happened, it's happened that uh, um, um, all joint tissue are involved in a kind of uh, inflammation and degeneration process involving the capsula bursa tissue, the cartilage, and the bone, in, of course, in a proper timing. Yeah. So at the beginning, when uh, what we call the, the early osteoarthritis, there are marks of, um, of um, inflammation with some kind of pain, but no radiologic evidence of the disease, only with the um, magnetic resonance and some kind of ultrasound, you can detect some very tiny signs of the disease. At that point, if you um, intervene with some kind of uh, treatment that can uh, reverse the process, you yeah. can curb it and, uh, and, and, and stop it to progress. And what kind of, what age does this normally start affecting people? Oh, yeah, this is very variable. Uh, to say, or as a, an example, uh, even in a young uh, guy, 20 years old, 25 years old, you can have a mm, minimal sign of osteoarthritis, mostly if it is involved in sports that um, easily injured, uh, no, the back, uh, the hip, uh, the knee, uh, such, such as rugby players uh, and American football players. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and football players as well, mostly the knee and the ankle. So uh, all depending what is your activity um, and uh, what is your uh, genetic um, uh, asset, what is your BMI okay. that is extremely important. And uh, all these kind of things uh, and others, of course, uh, affect the age uh, when this disease starts. So when it starts happening, how many, uh, how many symptoms are there? If you're uh, fairly fit, okay, for example, I do, um, I do martial arts. So there are, you know, I, I get thrown to the ground, um, definitely have some, uh, you know, impacts on my hips. I'm having, if I have that regularly over a period of a few years, would you, how would I start noticing that this is uh, actually occurring, that I've got beginnings of osteoarthritis? Well, uh, um, repetitive injury are quite tricky because okay. generally you develop the disease with no awareness. <laughs> but a simple, a simple, no, a small pain that generally recurred and sometimes become a little bit more, uh, um, um, uh, you know, uh, boring in your uh, daily activity. You take uh, some kind of anti-inflammatories, you feel better, and you carry on. Okay. And this happened for uh, months and uh, then years. And uh, this is what uh, generally happened in the degeneration. The pain is the main symptoms. Then uh, becomes, uh, then later the reduction of mobility and the and this can affect your quality of life in long term. Okay, and then um, when when that actually starts happening, um, at what point is it? Does it become irreversible? So well, well, um, the point of um, to be irreversible is um, um, at the moment uh, uh, there is no consensus of, on, about that. Okay, it's very controversial. However. Um, what we know, of course, that um, uh, we, uh, of course, do not um, move immediately with uh, some kind of uh, what we can call even a minimal invasive procedure. The, th the first thing is to change that kind of habits that generate that problem. So if you have a knee pain because your BMI is quite high, um, the uh, reduction of uh, of BMI 
and some kind of a healthy sport activities help a lot to yeah. uh, to curb the situation. Uh, the use of a short-term use, five, seven days of anti-inflammatory can help, of course, for the rehabilitation. Physio treatments are quite important in this stage, mostly in the water. Okay. Because in water you do not have uh, the gravity force and uh, so moving in there, not only swimming, but simply running or doing any kind of activity uh, can uh, uh, improve uh, the mobility in a smooth way. I've seen the uh, underwater treadmills actually. And uh, yeah, I've heard that, especially for people with uh, who are very overweight, but needing to lose weight, but they can't start running yeah. because of the extra pressure on their joints. Uh, that's a, a, good, a good way to start. Um, and with, uh, with your work, how, how would, at what point would somebody come to you? So they've, they've, uh, they've been running, they've been, um, having, uh, increasing their diet, reducing their BMI. Um, would you say having stem cell treatment is a last resort or is that something that is positive, even not as an extreme measure? Well, <clears throat> consider the current, uh, situation that generally we uh, have uh, in a treatment pathway. No? Uh, at the beginning, there is the use of uh, painkillers, uh, uh, physio treatments, yeah. uh, in local injection, unfortunately, corticosteroid, uh, yeah. some hyaluronic acids. Then uh, you generally the orthopedic says, uh, okay, let me try with uh, an arthroscopy to wash out and clean your joint. This generally accelerates the degeneration for, uh, for several reasons. And the, the, the end point is the prosthesis or in general major surgery. Okay. That of course is a kind of... Uh, a major surgery, so with the complication and so on. But there are a large group of our society that cannot have this truck. And I give you some examples. Yes, please. So yeah. uh, a young patient with a, a severe problem, to say, of the knee, of the hip, uh, cannot have uh, a knee or a hip replacement because uh, the duration of this prosthesis is more or less 10, 15 years. <laughs> so, um, and um, uh, all uh, the orthopedics are um, say, no, 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 we cannot do that because you can have this operation is one shot. So they say, ah, we cannot do so much. Yeah. This group of patients before becoming opioid addicted as it generally happened, would be better to, in, to uh, start some kind of uh, regenerative treatment. Mm -hmm. And this is one group, big group of patients. Another big group of patients are the elderly and frail patients that cannot tolerate major surgery. And in that case, nowadays, uh, and it's an enormous problem, um, they are addicted to painkillers and opioids that generates a lot of contraindications uh, of effects and uh, toxicity. So these people should have uh, some kind of other option. For sure, yeah. Um, these are the main ones only to say. Is this uh, the whole opioid crisis, which is you know getting more and more attention? Um, is this a common factor in the UK? Do you, do you see very often that you get old elderly people and young people who are severely addicted to opioids through um, prescription uh, because of pain? Extremely common. And uh, doctors, so doc you must not be the only doctor that's aware of this. What is, what is the um Well, the, the, the problem is that nowadays, uh, it's quite easy to have uh, a patient of uh, a certain age, 70, 75, 
that has um, some kind of a comorbidities that are very common, such as obesity, blood hypertension, diabetes, degenerative mm -hmm. osteoarthritis, that are one of the most common degenerative disease that generally they go, they go all together. And sometimes they have even a problem with the arteries or previous stroke or so with anticoagulant and blood thinners. So is a reality the combination of multiple drugs that determine uh, dramatic effects. And in particular, uh, because we are talking about that, um, traditional painkillers uh, that are taken uh, in, uh, on daily basis uh, generates uh, a lot of uh, uh, toxic effects. And yes. uh, not saying about the opioids, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that it's almost an easy way because when people are, I guess, in their 70s, elderly, um, it's a lot cheaper to just kind of prescribe um, medicine what, rather than going down these routes of, you know, having, having more advanced procedures and researching into, um, I guess, uh, experimental surgeries, stem cell treatments. Uh, is, is this, do you think, partly to blame, like the, there's a lack of funding and um, it, the finances come down to it? Or... Oh, it's a combination of factor. Um, is uh, a cultural problem. Is a concept that um, is completely wrong. That is treating symptoms and not disease. Yes. <laughs> this is uh, uh, the most common uh, uh, misleading concept in our society. Uh, we treat symptoms, but quite rarely we treat disease. And uh, yeah. this, uh, of course, generates a, a sort of uh, perennial dependence of these drugs. That they don't; these drugs that, uh, do not treat anything. They simply treat symptoms. If you take, uh, if you are high blood pressure, you take the pills. If you stop the pills, the blood pressure becomes high again, and so on. It's patching it up. You know, it's like yeah. a, a bucket with holes, and you're just putting tape over it. Exactly. So it's not only a problem of painkillers and opioids. Is uh, is uh, uh, this this problem is inside a large scale problem? And you, as a doctor, did you just was this something you weren't aware of until further into your career, or um, how, like when do you start noticing this? And well, you know, as a surgeon, uh, I survive a little bit better with my activity because we sometimes solve problems, uh, yes. not, not only postpone, sometimes generate problems as well. But <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully, Hopefully not. not, but you know, no, it, it, it's joking. But anyhow, um, uh, uh, of course, when uh, we have uh, a patient in emergency or in elective for, uh, for example, cancer surgery, of course, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the so-called comorbidities that are all the, the disease that the patient uh, um, uh, has, in unison yeah. with uh, the age and so on, this, of course, uh, is uh, calculated uh, for the risk of operation and mm -hmm. for, the, for the outcome of the, of the surgery as well. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh when did you actually start getting into this? Because you started off in Rome, am I right, I doing started, microsurgery? I, yeah, I started, um, uh, I worked uh, 10 years in the University of Rome. And okay. uh, uh, then I have um, uh, different other experience um, um, uh, here in UK, United States as well. But then in, um, uh, to cut short, uh, in 2013, I decided to come here because I had a good, uh, you know, um, um, possibility. Yeah. And um, but you know, in this kind of sector um, of research, generally the research is quite uh, uh, spread in different groups. Mm -hmm. So some part of the research. Uh, 
still is, is there in Rome. There is some other in other place of Italy, another sector in the United States as well, that we are in, in constant communication and, and other things are happening here in UK. So, um, uh, um, is, uh, uh, because of course, as you can imagine, there is a, a big um, um, universe between uh, a concept, an idea, laboratory, um, uh, experiment, uh, experimental models, uh, in vivo experimental models, uh, mm -hmm. uh, clinical application, clinical trials, uh, all these things, uh, of course, uh, take ages before yeah. having uh, something that, you, uh, that really can work. What phase do you mainly uh, would you get involved with yourself, as well as obviously doing certain like okay. conducting uh, surgery? Uh, in in practice, uh, uh, two um, genuine original things uh, um, we have done. One is, uh, uh, as we said before, we start talking about degenerative osteoarthritis. Um, uh, we devise a kind of uh, individual medication that is um, from the blood, that is an hyper-concentrated mixture of uh, heat shock proteins and a fraction of nucleic acids. Heat shock proteins, so yeah. I, I, the, what I know from heat shock proteins is um, released when you sauna. So like um, I, from what I've read, and list, I've listened to um, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she talks a lot about heat shock proteins and um, about how uh, the studies that she's conducted, uh, when you expose yourself to high temperatures, your body releases heat shock proteins, and there are links to that with longevity, life extension, fighting, even things like Alzheimer's and dementia. Um, is is this in the same same area when you talk about heat shock proteins? Well, heat shock proteins are, um, as the name said, um, came from a cell that yep. is uh, stimulated uh, with a premortal stimulus. So before gonna die, the cell produces uh, these uh, proteins. Yeah. That uh, is a pool of proteins from, uh, to say, 2,000 kilodaltons to uh, 120 kilodaltons. Kilo, kilodalton. Okay. So big and small things with the different uh, actions. Um, that are uh, the, the attempt to stabilize the membranes of the cells, to stabilize the, the mitochondria of the cells, to try uh, to um, um, uh, discharge the denaturated proteins and uh, replace them. And most of all, this happens inside the cells. But outside okay. the cells, where they go outside the cells in the extracellular microenvironment and in the, in the bloodstream, they have other effects, such as uh, stimulating the, the uh, compartment of stem cells. Okay. So uh, there are, these are only to say very roughly, no? Uh, what, uh, but, and the activation is not only with the temperature. The high temperature has been the, the first thing. The heat shock proteins come out with the low, high temperature, electromagnetism, uh, infection, stimulation, and, um, and any kind, uh, chemical, so on, stimulus that put in danger the life of the cell. Ah, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so they are very powerful molecules. And the... Uh, uh, coming back, uh, so we devised this kind of, um, of uh, uh, hyper-concentrated mixture from the patient-owned blood uh, of uh, a pool of heat shock proteins, yep. fraction of nucleic acids, uh, and positioning uh, this uh, uh, matrix uh, where uh, there is the major con concentration of stem cells, uh, we uh, have a kind of uh, effects, clinical effects, and uh, joint reconstruction. This brought to a clinical trial with um, uh, uh, a good number of patients 
um, that was very promising. Then, of course, uh, as usual happened in this situation, funds and the lack of oh, funds no. stop things. Um, and even the facts, uh, you know, because uh, these are medication that you have in your blood, so are very cheap in reality. And uh, these uh, do not attra attract particularly any kind of uh, big... Uh, yeah, the pharmacological group because you know they cannot earn so much in there. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, uh, is uh, 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 this uh, this kind of a study reached the clinical trial that was very successful, stage right. one, but still we are struggling to pass to the stage two and uh, for a definitive validation. What do you do about that? I mean, uh, surely that must happen very often. That yeah. What I do, not so much. What I what I do, <laughs> what I, mean, I I publish a lot of these things, and uh, yeah. like all the researchers, we are very happy when we see that something really works. But I'm not, uh, you know, a businessman, a guy that go around uh, able to to collect funds and so on. So mm -hmm. when you reach a point, you abandon sometimes that kind of things for other kind of research that at the moment is quite is quite intriguing you that's uh, quite sad a, yeah <laughs> this is sad but it's abandon is, is a way to say it's always there and uh, and yeah. um, and um, there are in any case patients that um, are uh, uh, currently restart to be treated um, in a private hospital in the center of, uh, of Italy uh, because the ethical committee um, gave the approval to have this treatment. Brilliant. And, uh, uh, and so it is restarting, uh, not with me, of course, but with other people. Mm -hmm. And, um, and um, this is very promising. Uh, but then COVID stopped these things. We 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 sign we signed this agreement uh, on gen last January, and when uh, start of course the process of uh, you know there are many things bureaucracy uh, bureaucratic issue to yeah to, Oops, to jump through yeah yeah so when we were almost ready there uh, COVID stopped everything. So hopefully <laughs> no in the near future. Do you uh, have any uh, insight into when you might be able to? Uh, now things are changing. Um, is there a is there a positive outlook with, with the whole COVID situation? Well, you know, I think that uh, uh, in uh, after summertime uh, uh, we should start. Okay. Of course, we should restart this thing. Um, At the moment, are the are, are like the majority of doctors who aren't involved and surgeons who aren't involved in, I guess, the front line of the, of COVID-19, are they being drafted to get involved? So are you, are they, are you getting brought in to do things with this or are people getting sidelined? How does it work? Well, well, to be honest, uh, um, I like to be involved in terms of, uh, uh, trial design and, okay. uh, uh, to, um, uh, train them how yep. to do these things, but then I I like to step back because uh, I uh, I always think that uh, any kind of uh, uh, procedure needs to be done by others to be really successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. Because uh, because if you are all there, uh, there can be uh, a bias in your research. Yes. So at a certain point, you needed to pass the buck to others. Well, that must be difficult, especially if you do that yeah. on everything. And it's your baby, you know. You, you... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what happens with, uh, with moving forward with things like funding? It, do, do you see any alternative option of how new innovative procedures that lose funding could then be funded in the future? Well, uh, funding is to me a very mysterious thing, uh, even now, mm -hmm. because uh, 
I was I got used to be funded by the university and there was a, a business case. You have to fill up some forms and so on. Um, uh, of course, there are uh, nowadays a startup and things that um, uh, have a kind of crowdfunding and other ways to be funded. Okay. But yeah, I think this is for professionals. It's not for researchers. So okay. it's something that um, um, uh, is uh, promoted by some kind of, uh, uh, I, I don't know if the word is appropriate, the investor mm -hmm. that believe on the project and uh, want to collect uh, um, funds around that. Yeah. Um, and, and at that point, uh, you can, um, uh, you know, go ahead uh, with the next step. Okay. So I see, but I think... Uh, science I th is full of these things. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of impression I get. Every, every scientist I speak to in every field, uh, unless it's uh, a tech field that is going to uh, generate huge amounts of revenue, every other field seems to kind of just get brushed under the rug and... Yeah. <sighs> yeah, you know, uh, but this is quite normal. There are a lot of... Um, discovering science that uh, people sometimes uh, checking literature of 50 years ago said, oh my God, they have done this. Uh, let me retry and we'll be successful after 15 years. You know, <laughs> this, we, are ex we have examples of that. Yeah. Um, I just, I was noticing, I obviously saw that you had spoken. I didn't go there last year. My colleague went rich um, to Radfest last year. So I, I saw your profile on there and noticed that, you know, you are obviously involved in the longevity field from your, from your surgery. What kind of, um, what's your outlook upon that in general, uh, about life extension and longevity? And if you have anyone who's listening, I guess, who isn't aware of this, there is, you know, a quite a large movement growing about trying to extend people's healthy lives, um, making sure that we live longer. And if we live longer, we live longer healthily, rather than having a quick deterioration. That, that's the kind of outlook, I guess, from it. Um, yeah, yeah you're you? right, uh, Arsh. Well, longevity is um, a very interesting sector. Mm -hmm. uh, years ago, it was called um, anti-aging, no? Yes. Anti-aging and then um, modified in, in longevity. What I, I, I try, even if it's not my field of research, but what I found uh, quite interesting in this um, sector of research um, is the fact that um, at the end of the story, besides the lifespan, is uh, a quite genuine attempt to prevent the degenerative chronic disease that most of the time brings us to death. Yeah, that's. I guess that is the most common thing, right? Yeah. It's, it's not just old age. It's it's you die of a disease associated with old age. Yeah, exactly. So um, um, age is not considered a disease in itself. Uh, it should be. Though, no, it, exactly. It should be, even though this perspective is changing. Yes. But in any case, age is related with blood hypertension, diabetes sometimes obesity, um, cancer that is a chronic de degenerative disease, atherosclerosis, and so on. Mm -hmm. So all diseases that sometimes have a common uh, denominator, that is the chronic inflammation. Yeah. Uh, that, gen that, that connect uh, all uh, these diseases at a certain point. So, um, could you explain? Uh, sorry, the the chronic inflammation. So, because well, well, um, there are um, um, a lot of uh, um, study about that, uh, and these studies are focused about uh, what uh, is the um, the common factor that join the the um, chronic disease. Yeah. Degenerative chronic disease. Uh, one of these factors, possibly the most important, uh, is a uh, uh, low-level chronic inflammation. So, is that on a cell, cellular level? 
uh, uh, at any level. Yeah. Uh, okay. Chronic inflammation means that your tissue reacts chronically in an abnormal way to the stimulus. Yeah. Okay. So you have a, a, a high, a high level of some cytokines, interleukins, prostaglandins, mediators that uh, generate, of course, deregulation uh, uh, of your cells and um, organism homeostasis. Yes, okay. And this, of course, we cannot say that this is the cause of all this disease, but it's a common factor that mm -hmm. we found in, uh, in uh, uh, all uh, uh, these diseases. So means uh, that uh, possibly is a biological station at a certain point that interconnect this situation. And that's including, I mean, I've read cancer, for example, is... Cancer. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's an inflammatory disease, essentially. Yeah. Uh, with uh, any, any of them are very particular and peculiar, no? Um, yeah. um, uh, specification. But, you know, there are even common denominators. So... As we approach, uh, I guess, aging, as we get older, our uh, our cell reproduction, we, our rate of healing slows down. And then is that uh, we, we develop inflammation, you think, due to our well, cell breakdown? And then, well, and then these diseases come? Or? Uh, well, longevity should, uh, in some way, tackle this problem at different levels. There is, um, of course, a genetic level uh, epigenetic, that is quite important. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, the fact that uh, what we consider before, such as two different worlds, the world of genome and the world of uh, your uh, phenotypical expression, in reality, are very dynamic and interconnected. Mm -hmm. Your gene change, change, um, uh, uh, more rapidly than we thought. And uh, uh, there are many factors that can modify their um, expression um, uh, quite uh, rapidly and easily. Is this due to outside stimulus, do you think? So like yeah. diets and stuff changes? Yeah, exactly. Lifestyle, uh, your, uh, the diet, uh, sleeping. Sleeping uh, is uh, so important, how you sleep, uh, and uh, uh, that uh, is, uh, is only, only that is, is, is a word to talk for hours. So, um, um, uh, you know, uh, physical activity, your level of stress, uh, your psychological uh, uh, and behavioral uh, features that... Uh, uh, can generate uh, some kind of a stress, anxiety, and so on that affects mm -hmm. a lot your uh, your so so many factors yeah. um, that uh, uh, brings you to um, to uh, uh, a certain uh, life and uh, the expectation of your life. Uh, uh, besides, no, of course. Uh, uh, car accidents or something like that, uh, but you yeah. can uh, modify a lot. Yes, in natural terms, you can you can expand a lot uh, if you consider uh, and put in there in your uh, uh, in, in your um, um, uh, behavior in your behavior daily behavior. So your lifestyle choices. Uh, of, yeah, uh, yeah, different life lifestyle choices. This is yeah. this is very important. But what, what do you think if somebody has um, certain genetics which would make them predisposed to developing certain diseases as they got older, um, is this something that is your lifestyle choices could actually mitigate and stop these genes being activated? So do you think, you know, like some, I guess uh, Alzheimer's, for example, dementia is something that can be genetic. Um, do you think that 
if whatever you do, if you've got the gene for it, you're more likely to, you are going to get it. Or do you think you could do something and change certain aspects of your life to stop that? Well, new neurodegenerative uh, disease uh, are, uh, they are a quite uh, new field of, uh, of um, in, medi in medical knowledge and in research. Yeah. Uh, they were not there up until a uh, few decades ago. Really? Uh, yeah. No, okay. al Alzheimer and these things, of course, were studied, but not uh, uh, like this uh, rate that we have at yeah. the moment. Uh, possibly because, uh, of course, uh, the age, uh, uh, the lifespan was shorter. This is, yeah. can be a cause. Um, but, you know, um, the, this kind of uh, neurodegeneration as well, um, uh, the genetic uh, are very important. Mm -hmm. But even when we talk about genetic, uh, we have to consider even uh, uh, um, the amount of problem that your genes can bring to you. <laughs> so I want to say, if you develop, to be practical, if you yeah. develop an Alzheimer at 20 years old, of course, this is a complete genetic disease. Yes. But if you have, uh, uh, start having this problem at 60 years old, means that your genes are prone to do that. But, yeah. um, but you can interfere or in some way carb this situation um, it, it, it modifying uh, uh, factors around it. Okay, I guess so, because uh, the genes are generally just, they're activated by outside um, factors. So as long as you don't trigger, the, or you don't do the things that trigger those things, then you could essentially stop that from being active. And it, it... Yeah, um, well, um, of course, uh, gene is a kind of expression on that tissue yeah. uh, that uh, 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 has a, an impact of the expression depending by the epigenetics. Mm -hmm. So what I, I say, if of course uh, the, uh, you have a, a group of genes that are completely compromised, there is no epigenetic that can work. Yeah. But even if they are um, uh, uh, working uh, in a low rate, so if you modify the epigenetic that can happen with some kind of different uh, behavior and lifestyle, the, uh, uh, this is what the research tells us. We can expand, we can move forward uh, the time uh, of uh, of uh, of. Uh, uh, expiration yeah. of their activity. And uh, do you think that kind of going looping back a bit to what you what you work with with the stem cells is is that applicable for treating a lot of age related diseases? So um, uh, can you treat you know pretty you know it's not just tissue related diseases. You can treat other things. So for example, do you think? Um, it will come out that stem cells can help with Alzheimer's and can help with uh, maybe cardiovascular diseases, that kind of thing. Yeah, this is what the, the research is telling us. Yep. So there are a lot of experimental models and clinical application on that that uh, are working very well. Now, we have a little bit um, to, uh, uh, in my opinion, to highlight how these stem cells really work. Because uh, in uh, the common idea is that uh, you take some step, stem cells somewhere, uh, you, put, you, you inject these stem cells, they go there and uh, sort everything and fix everything, such as uh, you know, um, a magic uh, potion. So <laughs> yeah. this doesn't happen in this way. So um, what's happened? First thing, depending by the stem cells that you're gonna use. The most used are the mesenchymal stem cells. 
you can use uh, this, this stem or the mopoietic one as well. From, so you can use uh, these uh, stem cells uh, from the patient or from others. Because one important thing is to know that uh, stem cells doesn't, in particular mesenchymal ones, doesn't bring a problem of uh, rejection. So there's no, yeah, there's no interference, no genetic issues no. of, yeah, it's... No, that's why you can use uh, the, the um, uh, cord blood stem cells mm -hmm. uh, of uh, uh, any kind of storage and inject waters because uh, you do not have in any uh, reaction about that. And you can grow, right, am I, um, you would take the uh, mesenchymal stem cells and... Um, you could grow those on mass. So you could take, um, could, could I take stem cells from myself and then grow those yeah. to then re-inject myself? Yeah. Uh, or, you know. this, uh, what you are saying happen to regrow a tissue and so on is very well uh, uh, reported and documented in, in, in vitro experiment. Okay. But in vivo, it seems that they work in a different way. So when uh, you, for example, you take the, the blood cord stem cells because uh, you want to fix uh, a problem in your heart, okay? Yeah. Uh, after a myocardial infarction, to say, you want to improve the scar of the myocardial infarction. Mm -hmm. So you um, uh, uh, put these stem cells in the um, blood stream of uh, the patient, um, they reach the point uh, in a certain amount of cells, other are dispersed in your body. And uh, what it seems that they, done, they do not work uh, going there in the site uh, and uh, becoming uh, the cells with the, the process of proliferation of differentiation in the cells that you want to have. Yeah but they simply have a three different uh, main functions. One is anti-inflammatory, one is uh, immunomodulation, and the third one is a trophic function. So they go and stimulate uh, the local progenitor cells to replace the injured tissue. Mm, okay. So they work such as a... Uh, um, mobile chemistry <laughs> going That's in crazy. some place and uh, and uh, activate uh, in uh, in uh, in uh, in a proper way that tissue and they work they essentially work out what to do correctly without uh you know you you are <clears throat> sorry you aren't pre-programming these or these are just sent in and they they see the problem and then they work it out themselves the stem cells can do that yeah, can do that because um, in some way um, uh, there is a complicated um, uh, system of uh, uh, molecular feedback uh, and counter feedback that brings them to work in, uh, in this way. Okay. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. Would you, uh, would you recommend stem cell treatment as a uh, preventative treatment eventually? Or... No, at the moment, I don't find uh, uh, stem cells as a prevention treatment for anything. Mm -hmm. But okay. um, uh, in my opinion, in the future, will be recommended uh, um, as a not ending point, but a starting point of treatment, because you can reverse the problem at the beginning. And this is wow. an enormous, um, um, you know, uh, advancement. That is medicine. huge. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I've, I've heard that in a lot of countries, it's quite difficult to uh, use stem cells. I mean, in the USA, it's, uh, there's certain things that are stopping um, people from using stem cells. So they travel down to places like Panama for treatment and things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is, of course, um, uh, uh, this kind of uh, uh, regula regulatory attitude to not be open uh, to the future, 
yeah. uh, um, generate uh, a lot of distortion. So it's the fear people, of the unknown, right? Yeah, if you if you see the border between California and Mexico, mm-hmm. it's full of uh, hospitals uh, and uh, research centers. Some are some are pretty good, uh, others oh. no. Um, that uh, uh, that uh, you know there is a, a kind of a procession of people from the United States going there to have this kind of treatment in Bahamas as well. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in uh, as you said, in Panama, but there are so many places. Uh, South Korea. Okay, uh, so there are, it is starting to become yeah, Cyprus. Really? Okay, that's yeah. good because yeah, I, I just I thought there was a uh, a big opposition. I, I guess like people, you know, being scared of it and not really understanding it. Um, so uh, I've read, uh, I've seen quite a few politicized posts of people who were, you know, saying it's evil and that it's against, you know, it's against nature and it's against God and that we should not be messing with this. But I mean, of course, medicine is messing with, with yeah. in general, if we treat any disease, surely that is. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there are, there were in the, in the past, some ethical problem uh, that has been completely uh, overcome about uh, the use of embryonic stem cells. Okay. But embryonic stem cells, there is no reason anymore to be used uh, because uh, uh, um, we are now able to uh, reverse um, an adult s- differentiated s- cell of your body yep. to an embryonic one. So, so you can so, take one of my cells. Yeah, <laughs> one of the cells of the skin can be uh, bring back to an embryonic one. Holy uh, crap! This is, this is, this is uh, no. They won a Nobel Prize in two thousand six or eight. I don't remember. Yeah. These uh, Japanese uh, researchers, and uh, they in they discover the way to. Um, bring back an adult differentiated cell to an embryonic one, a so-called uh, IPMN cell. And uh, so the problem of uh, the embryonic uh, one to take uh, these cells to an embryo and transplant to other is completely overcome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Right. Um, I've got a couple of questions actually from people listening. Um, that I just like to read out. The first one, it says longevity. This would clearly prevent medical costs in brackets, healthy old people. However, wouldn't this impact on other resources longer li- with having people living longer in general? <laughs> and, um, and also they said, would pharmaceutical companies may not appreciate healthy, uh, healthy live, longer living people too? More, the, more than the pharmaceutical uh, company, I can say uh, governments in general that have to pay pension and have to pay uh, 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 <laughs> our, uh, our health services. Of course, it's not to be cynical, but it's quite normal. As much you leave, as much I have to pay. Yep. So um, I think the, that, that uh, uh, these... Uh, uh, needs to be overcome with a new, a new ethical uh, model of life and mm-hmm. uh, modify our current welfare parameters. Otherwise, with these kind of uh, parameters, we cannot go ahead uh, more than this. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, the other question that has... Um... <laughs> this is definitely a uh, ethical a question of ethics. Should population size be, or should population size control be considered if we are to increase lifespan? Oh yeah, I think so. I don't know. I am not expert on that, but I imagine that because mm-hmm. uh, because uh, um, uh, our planet has. Uh, uh, certain resources, uh, yes. and if I am not wrong, uh, we are already exploiting this planet more than uh, the resources that it generates in a year. 
So we are already over the top. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, of course, uh, these, uh, that's why I say uh, if we consider the problem, if we consider the longevity with the current parameters, cannot be sustainable in the long term. Okay. It needs another um, model of a society, other political models yeah. uh, to be uh, sustained, of course. And, and having uh, some form of population control poses quite a lot of ethical questions. And yeah, yeah, because you know you have to kind of enforce consensus. Uh, sorry, consent to have that population control in place. So, yeah, it's yeah. quite uh, it's quite a tricky um, a tricky way to to consider the future society, this one, because in any case, mm -hmm. this modification will happen. Yes. Yep. Everybody knows that you cannot stop any kind of uh, prog progress in humankind, you know? That's actually been uh, brought up many times now in this podcast with, uh, we, we've had a um, virtual reality uh, designer, we've had a scientist who works in holotech, uh, we've had, yeah, um, a, a film director who was also involved in um, uh, post and post-humanism and future humanism. And they all have said the same thing that you, you cannot stop when, once yeah. you open the, whatever the Pandora's box of, of science and development, humans will just keep going. You know, we've got, we've first yeah. had phones and now we've got these, these things that are <laughs> attached to no, us. Essentially. What you can do, you can curb, you can uh, sometimes mislead, you can, uh, um, take time uh, for things, uh, but at the end of the story, uh, for sure, uh, you cannot modify the, the course of the events. Yeah, uh, you know, definitely. So, I've got okay, two, two, two more questions actually, if, uh, if that's okay. Which is, should we, we, should we be worried about the quality of stem cell production? Um, They've like no one. The person who asked doesn't know how well regulated it is in the UK or in USA. But um, it, yeah, is this something that you know? Could you imagine there would be black markets of stem cell production on uh, mass, or is well, there any concerns? Yeah, well, there are some uh, potential distortion in this system. Um, the one uh, that uh, I see, I see as the most uh, possible is the market of the fake stem cells. Fake stem cells. Yeah, they say, I inject you stem cells and I don't know what they are going to inject in you. Something Saline like solution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> because uh, the important thing is to know, of course, the, for example, for I, I, I'm talking about the, the um, cord, blood stem cells, uh, because uh, there are uh, national storages for that. So, you know, and, uh, and uh, there is a, a proper register, so you know where they come from. Um, I am talking about uh, allogenic stem cells, that means from uh, other people. Uh, if the, if uh, they are... Uh, uh, have been used your stem cells, it's important to know uh, what is the process. How do, do they uh, collect them? And uh, Storage uh, as well, I guess. Storage if needed. Uh, sometimes there are now many procedures that are almost in real time. Well, so, okay. yeah. Uh, so uh, the, the procedure, the methods, uh, is quite important. Generally, these procedures are, are um, in, for clinical practice, are simpler than you can imagine. Okay. Uh, and with a kind of uh, uh, enzymes and centrifuge, you can obtain a, a quite a good product. Um, okay. DSF, for example, that are uh, adipose stem cells from the patient is a process that uh, is very 
safe and mm -hmm. uh, is very uh, widespread. Um, and uh, it is allowed to do that because uh, you can uh, um, uh, move uh, tissue of your body in another place. It is allowed to do that. To do that. So okay. there are some things that is possible to do, and others uh, that are more difficult. Uh, uh, such as we I said before, moving uh, stem cells from a, another for a donor to a receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at that point, it's not only important. Uh, the quality of this of the of of the product, but even the amount of stem cells that you gonna to 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 transplant, there are still not standard about that. So there has been a study when uh, for some uh, disease uh, has been transplanted uh, ten millions, uh, fifty millions, uh, five hundred millions of cells. Uh, um, because uh, the good side of the story is that you do not have um, particular side effects or uh, mm -hmm. or problem. Um, so, uh, but but we still don't don't know uh, because there is no standardization on that. Okay, I see. So in the future, you yeah, yeah. you don't really know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this depending by the experience of the. Uh, research center and uh, mm -hmm. and and uh, sharing uh, information as well. Cool. Um, I've got one more question that I'd like to answer, and then I guess we should probably stop wrapping up. It's been just over an hour, which is great. <laughs> um, uh, this is actually a, a personal question. Um, uh, they have asked. They are intrigued. What do you do to relax and rest your brain? <laughs> Oh, that is interesting. Um, well, um, I like, uh, of course, I'm a quite a, a social animal. So I like right. to um, uh, have sport. I, 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 I every day try to be active. I go to work uh, on foot every day, never take the car. Yeah, great. Um, as a, um, um, I like to stay with friends. A uh, good glass of red wine uh, in the evening can be nice. And that's uh, good for your longevity too, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you should, for longevity, if you intend for the resveratrol that is an antioxidant contained in there, you should drink five liters of wine. It's too much, to be honest. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to have a, an anti-aging effect, it's too much. No, yeah. one glass is all right. Um, and um, to be honest, uh, I enjoy a lot to still, I enjoy a lot to study other experience and uh, to write about this uh, uh, field of uh, research that has always intrigued me. So to me, it's quite relaxing in reality okay. to get into these uh, kind of uh, things. Um, I can feel more stressed. Uh, in my normal um, uh, clinical activity, so doing surgery to deal with the cancer patient, uh, not for the surgery itself, uh, but for the uh, you know that bad news that you generally uh, mm -hmm. can uh, bring to the patient. Uh, this is awful, and it yeah. brings um, with you uh, generally uh, at home. I can it's imagine difficult to unwind uh, uh, even after several years of uh, professional activity is always uh, something that uh, is not good. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's a big burden for sure. So <laughs> <laughs> well, thank, thanks. To, well, uh, so I think we should, uh, we'll wrap this up in a minute. Um, is, is there any, uh, anything you'd like to say before we go and would you uh, like to, uh, do you have a website or anywhere that any, Anyone can check out your stuff? Well, that you... uh, well at the moment, uh, uh, no, I don't have a website. Possibly in the future, because um, we are um, um, uh, thinking something about with the, even these lo longevity rad people uh, in case a uh, kind of a web window for uh, 
regenerative uh, treatments, uh, tissue regeneration, and so Great. on. So I don't have at the moment, but I should do that. Yeah. Oh, well, you've, uh, you've got the page on Radfest right at the moment. Yeah, which is, yeah, uh, yeah. I have some page uh, uh, sparse somewhere. I don't know. But anyhow, um, uh, this is a question of communication that is important, uh, of course. Um, no, what I want to say is um, um, that one thing, in my opinion, uh, that prolong our um, uh, longevity, but most of all our quality of life, uh, is to try to uh, uh, to be interested in something. Okay. Uh, because um, to be involved in something that you are passionate to, that you are uh, intrigued to, independently of what is the sector, uh, in my opinion, helps a lot to maintain your brain active, uh, uh, your, uh, your um, perspective in the future, uh, prevent some kind of depression that uh, um, is quite, uh, uh, seems normal in this society. Uh -huh. And so this is my, an important recommendation. Uh, and to try to even uh, preserve your um, uh, mental and uh, body performance in a right way, uh, coherent with your age. So even as you get older, you're still trying to, you still yeah. need to keep staying fit. Cool. Our body is not, uh, has not been uh, made uh, to be standstill in front of a computer, <laughs> um, uh, eating uh, junk food uh, and uh, drinking a sugary, sugary, um, you know, Cola and pop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Well, yeah. thank you, thank you so much for your time. I've thank you. I had a lot of fun, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again. And <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure I'll send you the links uh, to this afterwards, and I'll put on um, the link to your Radfest page. And when you do get a website, send it to me, and I'll make sure it gets put on our website as well. Yeah, yeah, but we can uh, we can project something together, Ash. That sounds perfect. Thank yeah, you. I think so. There is uh, something in my mind that I want to share you in, uh, in another conversation. Brilliant. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, thank you. I'll thank you very you much. Soon. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. 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 Wow, that was another very insightful conversation. So in the end, we know that happiness, we heard it from a master surgeon and doctor himself, that happiness is the key to longevity. So focus on something, stay positive, get a hobby that you love and enjoy, whether that's a sport or music or art and focus on that. Keep your brain active. Don't stay sedentary and avoid sugar, which is what I always say. Anyone who knows me knows that. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Shifty Perspective. If you enjoyed this and you're listening on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button below. And if you're watching this on Facebook and you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, we can only grow and I'm trying every week to get new exciting guests. So hopefully we will continue doing this. Speak to you next week. Thank you.